So let's continue our series. We are working through this summer a series called Disciple. And we are trying to discern what is a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a believer? And there is no distinction between a Christian and a disciple. In the Scriptures, the uh, disciples were called Christians. There isn't two groups. There's not the the Christians who, you know, well, they're born in a Christian family, but they're just sort of going through the motions. And then there's the people who are really paying attention. You know, they're the disciples, you know, the ones who are going to go to Bible college or whatever. No, it's all, we're all one big group. It's just all the believers. And so where is the line? Where, how are we supposed to understand what it means to be a disciple? What it means to be a follower of Christ, uh, in this modern world? And so we, we created four categories to try to understand what, uh, how can we determine if something is disciple stuff or if it's something else? And the four categories were the first one is, is disciple. It's a person who follows the ways of God. If you're a disciple, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, then you're connecting with the ways of God. Then we talked about church culture. And those are the ways of men. And we're just, uh, you know, there's different church cultures. Like some people sing hymns, some people sing contemporary Christian music, some people light candles, whatever. That's just church culture. Uh, those aren't necessarily the ways of God, but they're the ways of a particular group expressing their relationship with God. And so it's not necessarily transferable from one group to another. That's just culture. Uh, and then you've got itching ears, which is the ways of preference. Some people just want things a particular way, and they're going to try to get them. Uh, do you necessarily want things that are good for you? Let me. How many people here want to eat a well-balanced diet and get a proper amount of exercise? Now, want to meaning so that's what you then choose to do naturally, rather than I want to watch a rerun of Three's Company. You know, like well, well, why did you sit and watch Three's Company? Instead of going for a jog. Well, why did you do that? You know, well, I know I'm supposed to eat right and get my exercise. But at that moment, I wanted to watch a rerun of an old TV show. You know, so oftentimes our itching ears, our preferences do not lead us into the things that are best for us. So that can cause problems. And then we talked about the last category, which is kind of scary. And that is the ferocious wolf category. Jesus warned us to watch out for false prophets. They look good, but turns out they're bad. And we see all four of these categories in the Christian world, in church culture, in, in uh, just the circles that we run in if we claim to be followers of Christ. We see the stuff of God. We see the stuff of culture. We see the stuff of preference. And we see icky stuff too. So we're trying to put things in those categories and figure out where it all goes. Last week, we talked about faith versus works. Faith versus works. And uh, that can be a little bit of a tricky concept, a little bit of a tricky subject. People argue about that quite a bit. Uh, there were even great theologians who thought the book of James should not be in the Bible. It should be taken out. Because he said, uh, faith on its own is no good. you got to do stuff. And, uh, well... I agree with James. I think we should keep the Bible intact as it is. And so, here's how we talked about it. Is there a different code of conduct for the believer than for the unbeliever? Yes, there is. Okay, how are you guys doing today? 
Because that wasn't a real tough one. You know, uh, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to expect some response in this sermon. I'm taking a big risk here. So so be ready to, to speak. We will loosen up a little bit. Is there a different code of conduct for the believer versus the unbeliever? Yes, there is. Absolutely there is. Are we saved by our works, the things we do, or are we just saved by grace through faith and there's nothing we can do to earn that? We're, we're just saved. There's nothing we can do to earn that. But, so then why is there a different code of conduct for the believer than for the unbeliever? Because if there's nothing I can do to earn that, can I just be saved and still not follow the code of conduct? Hmm. You know, that's a little tricky. A little like, well, uh, and of course there are people that take varying opinions on this and go different directions. Um, but the way I like to talk about it is, that's how we talked about it last week. What are you getting saved from and what are you getting saved to? So like, let's say your boat sinks, you're in the ocean, now you're floating in the ocean. What do you need to be saved from? You need to be saved from drowning in the ocean. What do you need to get saved to? A lifeboat would be great. A great big boat would be great. A hotel with a restaurant would be even better. You know, you're going to get saved to a safe location. So you know, you get saved from something and you get saved to something. If the lifeboat comes by, and you don't want to get in it, you got a problem, right? You may not want to be in the water, but if you don't want to get in the lifeboat, now, now you're kind of in a conundrum. And so, when Jesus came, He came to save us. He came to save us from what? Two very specific things. He came to save us from, from hell, from destruction, from eternal punishment, and He came to save us from sin. Save us from hell to what? To heaven, to eternal life. Isn't that great? Don't get over that. You know what? Don't, don't be like, yeah, 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 okay. Don't have to go to hell, I'm going to heaven. Whatever. What's the next point? Be more creative. Give me something better. Yeah, just be like, whoa, I get eternal life. That's so, my goodness, that is awesome. Don't get over that. When you get over that, then things start to get weird in your brain. So, be excited that you get to go to heaven. But we're also saved from sin. From sin to what? From sin to righteousness, using the Christian terminology. Uh, maybe from when I was a kid, you get saved from being one of the bad guys to being one of the good guys. You get saved from being part of the problem to being part of the solution. And this is all put up very nicely in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. Some good stuff. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Are we saved by our own works? No, clearly not. Very straightforwardly stated. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are not saved by good works, but what are we created in Christ to do? We are created for good works. We're supposed to do things that make a difference. That's what we're saved to. We're not saved by our behavior, by our actions, but we are saved to a new way of being, into a new code of conduct. So, yes, there is a different code of conduct for the believer, and we cannot earn our salvation. But we are saved from the bad code of conduct to the good code of conduct. 
this week. Let's pray a little bit more. And we are going to get into some specifics by the time we're done. All right. Father, I thank you again, the Lord, that you guide us. The Lord, that you are with us. Father, I, I just ask you to be with us this morning as we uh, get into some new material here. and Help us to receive it. Lord, help us to be doers of your word, not just to hear the things and, and uh, be a little bit interested, but Lord, let us catch it and move forward, serving you, walking in your ways. I thank you that you don't just leave us down here to wander around and do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit, you guide us by your word. Help us to see what you've got for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We are a blessed nation. We are a blessed people. I have many, many, many versions of the Holy Scriptures in my native language on my computer with an exhaustive concordance of every one of them. I've got the Greek, I've got the Hebrew. We have access to things that other generations had no clue about. And it's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, what is this code of conduct? If there is a different code of conduct for the believer than for the unbeliever, what is it? Isn't that important to know? You know, we need to know what is this code of conduct. Now, that's that's kind of a maybe not the best way to say it, code of conduct. I think it's better to say something like way of being or just saying what is the way. If we want to know the way to follow God, to walk in His purposes in his ways what is the way did you know that do you know uh christianity like in in the bible christianity wasn't called christianity you know they didn't call it that uh it was called the way so in the bible the name for christianity was the way they were followers of the way and the followers of the way were disciples of christ and called christians but the name of the organization of the sect of Judaism was the way. So, what is the way? I'm going to motivate the question by asking another question. And here's where I, I want responses from you guys. Are you ready? Here we go. What is the problem? Okay, Is everything perfect? It's all good. We're set. No need to do anything because there's no problem. What's the problem? I might even say, what's a problem? If we're going to just nail it right off the bat, the first person to be scared to say something. What, what's, what's wrong? What's the problem? Who's got one for me? <laughs> Jason's heart is the problem. <laughs> Our personal inside being. The man on the inside is a problem. Amen? We all deal with that. We've got the person on the inside that we look at and scares us. That's a problem. What other problems are there? And I don't mean to be super theologically amazing. How about poverty? Is poverty a problem? Poverty is a problem. How about war? War is a significant problem. What other problems are there out there? The church has got issues. People grow up in families where they're abused or neglected. 
all kinds of diseases, all kinds of problems out there. What's the solution? I believe the best we can do solution-wise for all of these things, including disease, but that's less direct, that's more indirect, the best solution to this problem is for believers to get good at being Christians and to help people who don't believe to become believers and get good at being Christians. How much war would there be if everybody was a devoted follower of Christ? Now, if there's a war between Protestants and Catholics in some particular country, that's incompetent Christianity. Just throwing that out there. Okay, That is not being good at being a Christian. How about poverty? If everybody had the work ethic of the New Testament and shared with other people, how much poverty would there be? How about people growing up in a horrible home and having a terrible childhood? If their parents were competent, excellent Christians that were following the ways of God, they wouldn't have grown up in that experience. How about that thing on the inside? That thing on the inside gets changed. How many people have experienced that to one extent or another? Where that thing on the inside is different now than it used to be. To me, the solution to these problems is we get good at following the ways of God. Because those problems aren't the ways of God. And so when we get good at that, man, oh man, we start seeing changes in this world. You catching that? Because that's exciting. You know, you could just come to church and like, I'm supposed to sit here and come to church because then I get to go to heaven, but i got to put up with this in the meantime. No, we are looking to grow so that we can be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Amen? Amen. Can you follow God's ways and thus be part of the solution? Or are you destined to fail? I'm gonna, I'm gonna push over a sacred cow in this one. Uh, but I've pushed this one over in here before. You are not destined to fail. You do not have to sin a thousand times every day. Some people say that. Well, we all sin thousands of times every day anyway. I don't even know exactly what they're talking about. You know, I mean, how much, how much time do you have? You know, like, what do you mean? I mean, yeah, okay, you you exist in a state of imperfection, and I guess if you, you know, divide that up into an infinite number of small pieces of time, and you were imperfect at this, maybe you could be mathematical that way or something. But I mean, come on, what does the Bible say? The Bible does not say you have to sin thousands of times every day. The Bible does not say you are doomed to perpetual failure. Let's take a peek and see what the Bible has to say. We're going to go to Romans 8, 28 and 29. You probably know Romans 8, 28, which I'm going to have to make a clarification on. And then we're going to look at verse 29. we got some pretty interesting stuff in here. As we know, uh, 
And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So, just as a parenthetical note on the side, because there's a lot of people that misunderstand Romans 8.28, uh, and there are certain versions that will lean towards what I consider the misunderstanding, and then other ones that will lean towards the right understanding, which is this one. What Romans 8.28 means is, no matter what you're going through, God is there. And He is for you. He's on your side. And He's going to bring you through it. He's on your side. That's what, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. doesn't matter what you're going through. God's on your side. There are people who think that no matter what's happening, that's God doing it to you. And I disagree with that very, very strongly. So like, for example, you grow up in this horrible, abusive home that we talked about. Did God want that for you? Is that God's best for you? Is that God's plan? Well, I'm going to make this one grow up in a horrible home. No, that's the adults in that person's life rejecting the ways of God, rebelling against God, and going another way. That's not God. So you can be very confused into thinking God is a bad, bad God. But we all know we're in church, so we say God is good all the time. We say that. But if you've got the mean version of Romans 8.28, you think, well, God is good except when He isn't. But I tell you, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. And no matter what you're going through, whatever yuck, ick, offense that's coming against you, God is for you. He's on your side. He'll be there with you through it. Don't push Him away. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, predestined. I looked that up, it pretty much means predestined. It means God has a plan. And here's what the plan is. What's God's plan? God foreknew and predestined that we be conformed to the likeness of who? Of Jesus. Predestined. How, how much, you know, I think we can, re, I, I've got kind of a opinion on that. I think we can wiggle out of what God's plan is for us. But let me tell you, you are predestined not to sin a thousand times every day. You are predestined not to be in a perpetual state of failure. You are predestined to be conformed to the likeness of the Son of God. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen, amen. So you don't have to fail. Now, if, are you, are, are, Let's read Ephesians 4, 22-24, and you'll get it again. 4, 22-24. Here Paul is explaining to the Ephesians what the way of the Lord is and all that stuff. And he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness, and holiness. So here's that thing of we've got the icky thing on the inside. We need a new thing in there. 
We need to be born again. We need to have a, a new heart. And the promise of the Scriptures, the promise of the Gospel is that you can have a new heart. Your icky heart of sin can be done away with and you can receive newness of life. You can put on something different. You can get something different on the inside. And so this this born again thing, this this new part inside of us, what is it created to be like? Sin thousands of times every day anyway, and a perpetual failure, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How much play do these types of concepts get in modern Christianity? <laughs> Not a whole lot. Now, are you going to get there today? I'm not holding my breath on any of you people, alright? <laughs> and you shouldn't hold your breath on me because we've been through this and we know it's a process, right? We get saved from the consequences of sin, but as we get saved to righteousness, it's a process that we work through. It's, it doesn't just, boop, guess what? Now I'm perfect in every way. You know, it just, it's a process. We work through it. We want to battle through though. And I just want you to know that you are created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That you are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. So just relax and let it happen. You know what I mean? Don't gnash your teeth and fight and claw and all it. Guess what? It's the plan of God. Just relax. You are not in who God created you to be a perpetual failure who's going to sin all the time. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. You are created to be like God in, in true righteousness and holiness. So just relax. It's His plan. He gets to make the plan. We don't get to make the plan. This is His plan. So, how are we doing? There's a problem and there's a solution. The solution is we get good at being Christians. Can we do that? Yes, we can. In fact, we're created to be good at being Christians and we're predestined for it. That's good news. That's good news. Alright, so let's get a little bit specific. We're gonna, we're gonna work towards getting specific. What are some of the categories in this code of conduct? Because it seems like there's different things. Have you ever met somebody who's like, Man, are they a great Bible study leader, but wow, you wouldn't trust them with $3. You know, have you met people like that? So, there's people who, you know, maybe they're good at serving God, they're good at performing ministry, but their character isn't that great. You know, you got moral development, that's one thing. You've got serving the Lord, that's another thing. There's spiritual disciplines, that's another thing. You know, some people, they can pray all day long. Other people, man, you... you try to ask them to pray, they don't know a thing about it, but oh yeah, are they morally upstanding or what? I know non-Christians that are better morally than most Christians. I, in fact, it's, it's kind of disappointing as it may be. We should be world leaders in moral behavior individually. And I'm not sure that Christians are world leaders in moral behavior. We're not so bad. But it shouldn't be a close race. You know, we should be a shining star on the planet for how to live your life. So, 
there's moral character, spiritual disciplines, serving the Lord. The moral character things are the stuff like, is it a sin if... <laughs> a lot of people ask me, is it a sin if... You know, that's a moral question. And, uh, you know, don't ask yourself, is it a sin if, if... Ask yourself, am I slipping away from the ways of God if? Is this something God would want me to do? Ask that question. You got the spiritual disciplines, you know, you got prayer, Bible study, coming to church, you know, fasting, all that stuff. And then you got the, uh, the serving the Lord, you know, you've got cleaning the church, mowing the lawn at the church, you know, doing Bible studies, leading worship, preaching, uh, giving, all those sorts of things. Those things kind of intermingle, uh, but they're sort of separate as well, because you see people who have a strength in one area, but a weakness in another. Let's read through Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to kind of work through it. And we are going to look for the way. The ways of God. What are the ways of God? If we're going to get more specific, because everybody agrees with generalities, let's get a little bit more specific. Ephesians 4, 17 is where we'll start. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God. What are they separated from? The life of God. What are we supposed to be living? The life of God. We shouldn't be separated from that. We should be walking in the life God has for us. It's a wonderful life. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now Paul, he, he just tells it like it is, doesn't he? Alright, we'll keep going. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Amen. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So, can you lie and be walking in the ways of God. No, no lying. <laughs> Lying's on the list. Is that ways of God, church culture, itching ears, or ways of darkness? No lying. That's in the ways of God. We're to be truthful people. Sometimes it can be more difficult to tell the truth than others. Speak the truth in love. That's the ways of God. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So what is, he, what is he saying there? Have you ever done something in the heat of the moment that you have regretted later? Said something you shouldn't have said. Did something you shouldn't have done. What it's saying here is, okay, you got these emotions welling up in you. We'll let that go. Don't do anything that you're going to regret when that comes up. 
You watch your tongue. You watch your hands. You be careful. In your anger, do not sin. And the dangerous part of that is who gets a foothold when you sin in your anger? Satan can get a grip on you through that. And we don't want that. So one of the ways that we get good at being Christians is by being able to override some of those emotional experiences of I want to choke you now or whatever the thing may be. I see we've got lots of people who've had that experience. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. Stealing ways of God. No, we're not supposed to steal. What are we supposed to do instead? Do something else with your time. But must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. So instead of taking from others, be productive on your own and share with others. The ways of God. Keep going. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's, that's for Jill. Uh, that may, <laughs> building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let's keep going. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. Is that the finish of it? No. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we see a bunch of specifics in there. A bunch of ways of being a bunch of pieces of that code of conduct that applies to the believer. That we're, we're not supposed to fight. We're not supposed to steal. We're not supposed to say things that are inappropriate or that hurt people. We're to be careful about those things and walk in the right ways. Uh, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward as I'm getting a little bit long. We're going to close here in just a second. But let me ask you this question. I love the daydream. What if everybody who called themselves a believer, called themselves a Christian, was proficient in following just these few verses? What if everyone who considered themselves a Christian was excellent, was proficient, had succeeded at getting in them the ability to follow just this half of chapter? Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? And this is just in the moral category. You know, most of those things were just the moral things. How to treat other people. How to take care of yourself and help others. What if we got good at that? Oh man, oh man. It'd be great. The good news is that Jesus has made a way for us. Put that last verse up there again. 5, 2, 1 and 2 is fine. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering 
and sacrifice to God. Jesus gave Himself up for us so that we could be part of the solution and not part of the problem. If we are believers, we need to let that new creation in us flourish so that we can be part of the solution and not part of the problem. If you don't know God, then understand, Jesus has died for you. He has paid the price that you can come in and know the Lord and walk in His ways. So either way, we can have something good from God. We can walk in our destiny to be like the Son of God or we can receive forgiveness and come in and then connect with Him. So let's close in prayer. And uh, so let's, let's just pray. Father, I thank You for each one in this place right now. Lord, I pray Your hand upon us. Father, we've got the prayer team up here for those who have prayer needs. Let them have no, no inhibitions, but just come down and receive prayer. Because Lord, You do mighty things when Your people pray. Lord, let them come on down. If they don't know You, let them come and, and work through the process of, of asking for forgiveness and coming into Your, uh, into your presence and knowing what it means to have that, that new creation on the inside. Father, for anyone with any other type of need, any other type of uh, desire for prayer, Lord, let them come down and receive mighty things from you. And Father, for, for all uh, the rest, Lord, let your hand be upon us. Lord, let your peace go with us. Let your light shine in us and make a difference in this world. So bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, you are dismissed. Come on down for prayer or else... And head on out to the back, say hi to somebody you don't know, encourage them in the Lord today.